Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to my good, bad brain. I'm a normal person, so I'm insane. I've got depression and ADHD, but I'm doing better since I medicated me. I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is. But I figured out a long time ago that being alive is Hi. Yeah, hi. Um, I don't feel super cogent on this one, and I don't know how much of this I want to keep some of my personal stuff. I'm just working on my personal stuff. I mean, I hope y'all appreciate that because, I don't know, I try to be pretty open about everything, but especially if it involves other people, I like to try to keep things, you know, neutral or anonymous. I just don't want to cross anybody's boundaries, like, you know, expose other people stuff like, who you know, um, and so I don't, I don't know. I don't think it really matters either. Like, I don't think I need to bring up anybody but myself in this. Cause I think the whole point of talking about mental health stuff is like, our reactions are our reactions to like life and situations, you know? And I think especially if we have parts of our brain that are bad, bad brain stuff, like it's easy to blame other people for triggering us, you know, for like, they know you're sensitive to this thing. Why would they do that thing? Or they should understand you better and forgive everything you do. That's hurtful. And I have a, like a lot of like backslide shame often, you know, where I feel like if I've if I have a sense of myself that I've made progress in a certain area mentally or morally or something like that, you know, like an easy example would be depression stuff, having like shame over feeling depressed again, you know, you I think a lot of us are familiar with that where you get through a dark time, maybe you actually did it with tools too, like you did your self-care stuff, you did mindfulness stuff, you became better at something. 
like just being, you know, alive and not being miserable all the time and not feeling like a drain on everyone around you. And then you slide back into it. Something happens. You have an episode, your brains do their thing. Something triggers you, whatever. And then you're just like, oh, I'm depressed again or I'm a piece of shit again. And that makes, wow, I'm even worse. I thought I was fixed, but I'm actually still fucking broken. Another way that I'm wrong. Wow. Wow. What a piece of shit I am. And like the shame around the shame is a thing. And uh, I had my birthday this week. I turned 33 and I get weirder and weirder on birthdays these days. I don't, I don't know why last few years, I just, they feel overwhelming to me. They, it sounds ironic, I guess. I spend so much time, I mean, anyone who listens to this, I spend so much time reflecting upon what it is to be a person, what my personage is. Am I a good person in the universe? Am I being a better one? Am I working myself in a way that makes the world better? I don't know. I think about it so much that it seems like it wouldn't be a big deal to like hit a birthday and get more existential and reflective. But that combined with just like reflecting on the Kavanaugh stuff last week, I think brought up a lot about like being a man and especially being a certain kind of man, a man who bought into toxic masculine qualities and uh, did regrettable things, uh, you know, in my past, I think. And there's a few different areas, I guess. I just bummed me the fuck out just thinking about it, thinking about my participation in the whole cycle of things. Uh, my mom was saying, I was talking to my mom and my sister about it and things, and they were saying that they, um, my mom was saying that she was talking to other people that, because she's around the age of Kavanaugh or whatever, they're talking about, you know, reflecting on their past and their culture and things like that. And that basically, because she was, you know, a kid around the same time that Kavanaugh was a kid and they're all like acting this way, you know, and uh, basically saying that Everybody who's of that generation knows it happened for sure and knows uh, there's there's just no question and knows that they that the GOP, everybody just doesn't think it's a big deal because that's what my mom says. She's like, that's just what life was like. It happened all the time everywhere with her, with everybody. Like that's just how people were. And I said, I think that makes sense. I think the way Kavanaugh seems to be feeling and it's really fucking not cool feeling when you see this, like the greatest villain, the greatest example of like a whiny, toxic, self-victimizing, uh, aggressor, like this Kavanaugh guy, like, and you relate to him and other people who know you see you in him, like, because he's so angry, angrily saying, I didn't know. Oh, so shitty and angry in his defensiveness. How dare you all? Faces interrupting people. They ask him questions. Did you drink? Did you drink? And I'll tell you what I identified with and what I related to in it was he thinks, and I had another man agree with this when I when I brought it up and I was talking about it. I think you know, toxic masculinity is a thing for males to solve among themselves. So I try to have those conversations with men I know sometimes, you know, and you can see him mad because it wasn't wrong when he did it. You know? Of course it was. And that's the whole point of this period in time. That's the point of the Me Too movement. That's the point of the progress of culture is saying like, it's not that this was never wrong. This was always wrong and you never knew. You thought it was okay. And these men like him, he... he 
as far as he knows, that's the way he was supposed to be as a guy and it was okay. And I guess I was thinking about my relating to women, especially when I felt lonely, when I felt like lost in periods of my life and I didn't know who I was supposed to be. I adopted like this kind of cool guy thing and I I was like just trying to be that guy that I thought guys wanted to be and women wanted to be with. And I would have people respond well to it when I acted like a little bit more brusque, a little bit more aggressive, a little more of an asshole and forth, forthcoming or whatever, flirty with everyone I know, every female I ever knew, having some like sexualizing aspect of our relationship, some flirt, some kind of like let it, leaving it on the table, letting them know I'd be interested, complimenting their looks or something like that, just letting them know I found them like attractive or whatever, like out out of turn, like... I thought that was the right way to be. And some people would respond really positively to it. And they seemed to like me more when I was being cool guy, which only fed this fuel of like hating myself and being like, people don't even want me to be me. I'm supposed to be, they like when you're this guy, you know? And it's like, you kind of see how like patriarchal values, I guess, like infect every aspect of our culture. This idea that to be happy as a man, I got to be an aggressive man and a like sexy, take what I want, man. And like that that'll make women feel validated too. If I act that way around them, then they'll feel sexy and know that I want them. And like, this is all real stuff that I felt. And going through a period of this unveiling of that and people being like, we don't like that. It's really fucking oppressive, actually. It's really like shitty. I think a lot of toxic masculine stuff for men to realize they're going through that I actually think there's a lot of relief if you're allowed to just go, oh, I don't have to be that way? Fuck, thank God. But so many people are so indoctrinated so deep that you can't even really get there. So I was just feeling like a real piece of shit in the universe. You know, I was just like, people I know, people who love me, people who I love, like they, I don't know. I I, uh, I was just trying to own up to my bullshit and think about it a lot and think about like, I always had a hard boundary around physical anything like touching somebody against their will. I just don't ever, I've never, I maybe it's related to combat sports stuff and like a sense of like a physical bubble thing. I just, that was always a line that I've never crossed, but you know, people like to joke, you know, about trigger warnings and microaggressions and shit like that. But I think that they really affect things. And I think I was more than microaggressive in my life. You know, I think I was like super volatile I think it was all part of like this, uh, I'm a sexy broken artist guy. My brain's all fucking crazy, but it's fast and it's cool too. So I can just do whatever, get fucking hammered at any professional event that had open bar. And just thinking about that, thinking about all the women I've objectified, sexualized our relationship, even though I didn't have to fucking do that, you know, just injected myself into their life in this way that like makes people unnoticed. And I've had some experiences too where like, because I am so self-victimizing and think of myself as so wounded and so like I would never hurt anybody and like actually the universe is hurting me all the time. I took for granted sometimes in emotional relationship arguments in the past, like being a fairly strong, fit, young male, good at fighting with um, women alone and I get these emotional volatile arguments and they'd see me being so fucking crazy and like self-destructive or angry or whatever. I remember like one time my ex-ex-girlfriend, this one I had in high school, we had a fight one time in the car 
And I remember when I was a teenager, it was like a typical fucking white boy teenager, you know, like angry, like punching holes in walls and shit like that. And I remember one fight that I had with my girlfriend, we're in the car and I just felt like she wasn't listening to me and she was just going on and I just started hitting the dashboard, like, you know, not towards her, not near her. I mean, you know, she's in the passenger seat, but I'm just hitting the vent on the dashboard, just striking my palm into it, like to get this energy out of my body of like frustration. And she just started crying. And I, all the like tension drained out of me, the rage or whatever. And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. I got it out. I'm sorry. I was just like, man, I'm sorry. And she was so fucking scared. And I like couldn't even really register that. I was, it was almost like, why are you freaking out right now? I don't know what's, I don't understand. I just hit the dashboard. I just had emotions to get out. And basically this like unconsciousness about how we affect people because we're so lost in our own experience. And that like, if your experience of a thing was not with the intent to hurt someone, then how could they be mad at you for hurting them? You didn't mean to, so it doesn't matter. And that's the thing I, I still struggle with getting to my fucking head in the moment is accepting when somebody says they've hurt you, not going like, no, 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 no. If you understood, then you wouldn't think that. No, 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 no. Just going like, oh, doesn't matter what I thought. It doesn't matter if I thought that I was, I was like in such a wounded, I think this is the fucking danger to me of some of the like self-reflection and the self-talk and the self-care and honestly, self-forgiveness. This is something I struggle with where you're like, I don't ever want to be letting myself off the hook for things that I regret and things that I don't want to do again. You know, I believe people can change, but I believe we have to like carry with us who we are. I also believe you're allowed to have a quality of life. Like you're not supposed to be a fucking martyr either, which is its own poison thing. You know, you're not supposed to go every day. Like I'm so bad. I'm so bad. I'm, I'm, I'm like, you know, flagellating myself all the fucking time just to show the world because that's also self-serving. At some point, you have to process the horrible things you've done and or mean things or cruel things. I, I, you know what I mean? And be a better person earnestly and not live there anymore and allow yourself to change while accepting the fact that some people might not. So I was thinking about this and I was thinking about like this selfishness, like, right? Like if I process too much, I'm too identified with what I'm going through and explaining what I'm going through and understanding what I'm going through. I, I have to make sure I take the extra step to change the fucking behavior to like really feel the feelings of people that you've hurt with your craziness. And when we are depressed or suicidal or anxious or whatever at the expense of people around us, I I think when we're well, we have to make good faith efforts to make up for that, apologize for that, acknowledge that, you know? I was I started talking about this last week with the narcissism stuff that it's weird that we have sort of like categories of mental illness that we consider like are good or not. So it's like, to me, it's like, Part of 12-step stuff with alcoholics is like making amends at some point, unless like making those amends would bring more harm to a person than not, like contacting them again in their life, you know, but like that you do your best to make amends to people. And this sort of understanding that just because you've learned you have an illness and you had this thing you're under the sway of doesn't mean you're off the hook. You still got to like try to make up for what you did. Not just understanding yourself and becoming better isn't really totally enough. You have to like really fucking process that other people have been affected by your experience. And I don't know, it's it's almost like if somebody's depressed nowadays, you have these kind of mental problems, anything. I was a lot of mine I think do source from the ADHD stuff, which I'm gonna get into in a minute here, is like I don't know, it it almost 
excuses anything. Oh, I'm dealing with depression. So I'm going to let myself off the hook for this. And I don't, I don't know with myself. I'm like, you're always dancing that fucking line, you know, of like taking responsibility, trying to be better, not letting it just be an excuse for being a piece of shit. You know, there's this joke in, uh, Wayne's world, that movie Wayne's world where he goes, one time I thought I had mono for a whole year. Turns out I was just really bored. And I fucking think that's so funny. And I think about sometimes like with depression, you know, I was suicidally depressed for like a year. Turns out I was just an asshole. (laughs) You know, like that's obviously oversimplifying things a lot. More like I was also an asshole, you know? And that like part of actually being a better person isn't just like being better to yourself, but being better to people around you and, and, you know, not using your mental illness as like an excuse for getting away with shittiness. Like you're seeing this guy angrily protesting. I'm sure he had drinking problems. Who knows? I'm sure it doesn't even need the drinking problems. He felt entitled. He felt scared. He felt alone. He said like, I many, many years I didn't have sex. You know, that all that stuff, all that incel stuff. Entitlement. I'm sure you had a lot of fucking adequacy and ego problems and all this stuff. You know, we acknowledge that human beings need touch to be well. I don't think you're like mentally well if you're like, not having physical affection. I get that. But that never excuses harming other people. I feel like that about our mental things. Our mental things offer a lot of context for why we might behave in ways that are difficult for people around us, but they can't be excuses to just continue treating people like shit because I'm on disability. You know what I mean? So I spent the week thinking about that stuff and then it led into my birthday and my birthday just, you just feel like, who are you in the world? What are you doing in the world? And I was getting so frustrated because with like personal, with work projects and stuff like that, I've been getting frustrating and I've been feeling like, fuck, I'm still me. I'm still stuck with me. My whole life of trying, trying, trying to be a good person and a, a functional person and one that's stable and normal and like can just be okay. And it, always feeling so hard, feeling like I'm fucking failing at that day to day still, this like thing. And I I, I know even as I'm saying this, I'm, I'm kind of just leaning into saying it because maybe it'll resonate with some other people out there who feel this way also, like trying to be a good thing every day and it always feeling fucking impossible. And that being a little bit of a lie, you know, like I was saying this to my mom, I had this analogy, I was talking to her about the mental stuff. I think we are the engine of the locomotive. Our brain is always turning over and churning the same way. So we can't see how far down the tracks we've come. We can't see how much progress we've made because we, we are not the distance crossed. We are not the new place we've arrived. We are just the engine turning. You know, this constant dialogue with yourself, this dialectic sort of experience, a moment in time or reality never being a true moment in time. It's a constant exchange with a million, billion different inputs. And that it is defined by this, this lack of static quality, this this constant shifting, roiling mess. And being able to try to understand that, that we live in a quantum state is hard to accept. Perspective is hard to get. I end up relying a lot on the perspectives of people close to me because I know I'm so lost in my experience. With ADHD, 
there's something called flooding. They call it emotion flooding. Um, they also call it, uh, I've said it in here before, um, what is it? Uh, rejection sensitivity dysphoria is part of this and emotional hyperactivity, internal emotional hyperactivity that just you have a, and it's related somehow to like your inability to keep memory at like, like working memory. Um, I feel it's a sort of canine quality of living in a constant nowness. So good feelings or bad feelings are so fucking enormous that they take everything over. And I want to just like try to own up to something that happens to me in relationship. And maybe some other people will relate to in terms of ADHD stuff. And we can all be like working on better together with apologies to my loved ones and anybody close enough to me that's been affected by this, including my fucking self. Um, there's this idea of having reactions to reactions. So in ADHD relationship, I may do something thoughtless because I don't think all the time. I'm, I'm in my own world. I have bad memories. I don't think outside of my own experience very well all the time. And uh, my partner will be feel wounded by it. Or I'll just forget something important or let's just, it doesn't really matter what it is. I've done something that is objectively inconsiderate or hurtful. And my partner will say, you hurt me. You, this thing you did hurt me. And because I'm a fucking bad brain maniac, where like all of reality feels on fire all the time in a beautiful way and also a very painful way sometimes. I will perceive this person saying I fucking hurt them and go, how could you say I hurt you? I didn't mean to. I'm not even trying to hurt you. I was just not thinking, okay? Why are you saying that to me? Why are you saying I'm hurtful? I'm not a hurtful being. I'm not a hurtful thing. I'm I'm just doing my best. I'm not, and I'm off to the fucking races, flooded with shame, flooded with guilt, flooded with anger, and these feelings that like anger because like, but I wasn't even trying to do that. How can you say that I'm mad? I wasn't trying to hurry. I wasn't trying to do anything. Why are you saying I'm a bad person? flooded, just overwhelmed with feeling, like just so beyond the pale, beyond my control. And now this other person is like, wait, I told you you hurt me. Why are you fucking freaking out right now? I'm the one that got hurt. And eventually they end up having to apologize to you. Or they get even fucking angrier because they're resentful because they're reacting now to your reaction but that's a tertiary level. The important reaction to the reaction is the first one. Someone reacts to something you do negatively, and then I react to that reaction. Mystified why someone would be mad at me because I didn't do anything in the first place. I'm just perceiving that someone's mad at me. With ADHD brains, they talk about this, uh, that a lot of the time you get used to a lifetime of people telling you you're fucking up. Why are you fucking up? Why are you so lazy? Why didn't you think about that? Why are you late? What's wrong with you? Why aren't you listening to me? And you're so used to hearing that over and over again when you have no idea what they're talking about that you just numb out to it and go like, I okay, I get it. I'm wrong all the time. I'm always wrong. I'm wrong. I'm always wrong. I'm bad. I'm wrong. I get it. And so when this tape comes up, especially from somebody who you thought you'd gotten through that with, or you count in your corner as someone who loves you or thinks you're a good thing or trusts you, you sort of fucking freak out and go, but, 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 no, 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 not this again. Not this again. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Why are you doing this? Why are you trying to derail me? I finally figured out that I'm not a bad thing in the universe. And part of that is because you made me feel like I'm not a bad thing in the universe, but now you think I'm a bad thing in the universe. Why are you fucking doing this to me? And it's insane. 
And I can see it objectively when I get away from it. Just like I can see in my sour mood where I can only see evil. Like I can only see the bad at the, at the core of everything, at myself and everything. You're like, I can see later, like I'm being a little emo ass bitch. I can see that. But you're reacting to the reaction. And this goes back to the stuff about like shame over being ashamed, you know? This feeling of like, oh, I'm depressed again. I'm backsliding. I'm depressed that I'm depressed. Like it's reacting to the reaction. Like now you've totally hijacked your own system and put yourself in a perfect impossible loop, one that you can stay in pain and in problem forever and give yourself something to do and something to define your existence over. My reaction to the reaction, an impossible to solve thing. Instead of just taking the universe as it is, something happens and there's a reaction to it. And that, I think, starts to set my fucking pinball brain crazy because you're like, well, now I can see why all of all trauma never gets fixed and trauma is always passed forward and will never stop. It's like it's like when you, you know, accidentally bomb uh, someplace in Iraq and kill somebody who's not even related to the situation. Well, now you've just made somebody who's going to fucking hate you for their whole lives and the war never ends, you know, like they're going to grow up to want to kill more people. And it's just like this horrible thing. And you start to realize, like, it's all just reactions to reactions and fuck ups and all this stuff. You know, all this like, and and that becomes so overwhelming that you feel like, how can the universe ever be good? I don't know. And I think I get back to this thing that like, I actually find understanding the dialectic quality of the universe, realizing nothing will ever be clean and complete and cogent and make sense and be still and figured out. It will always be this roiling wave, this discussion between all these different factors and us figuring out how to manage. I think that's kind of the bottom line is your trauma. No trauma goes away. We just figure out how to manage it and manage our responses to it. And if we can get better at that, and more patient, and more calm, and start to realize, I mean, I guess this is the one thing I could be proud of, of where I've come through, is like, I was finding myself in dark, bad head spaces of shame, and guilt, and anger, and just fucking toxic, like, those sort of, not, I won't go as far as saying like suicidal spaces, but the things that felt too similar, things that you're like, I thought this was done. What's wrong with me? And at least now I feel like I've cultivated enough like dissociation or non-attachment, I should actually say. I think dissociation is a little bit more survival mechanism, but I do hit those fugue states sometimes, I think, as a survival mechanism. But a dissociation, a a non-attachment to my experience that goes like, well, you're in insane pain right now. I feel like I turn into a weird cartoon host of myself where I go, this is you going through this thing. I started self-talking as I walked around feeling miserable. I was like, this is it. This is it. This hurts so much. This hurts so much. Wow, this it hurts so much. It just keeps hurting. Why is life so fucking painful? When is this ever going to stop? Ah, oh, ah, oh, vocalizing, physicalizing. It just helps, you know? I mean, like, you've been here before, you've been here before, and it's been worse than this before, and it's going to be fine. I know I'm all over the place with this episode. I hope there's some stuff, some takeaways. I think I'm going to pump the brakes right now. I don't know if I'm in the best place to be doing an episode. I know I wasn't the other day, and I appreciate everybody who understood that and is long for this little ride, this little experiment, sort of content, pseudo-journal, vlog, whatever the hell thing, my good, bad brain that hopefully resonates with some of y'all's good, bad brains and your struggles and helps you get through it. I really appreciate just the understanding that came from some folks, and I was like, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not going to post an episode today. Uh, I'm having an overwhelming time. Takeaways, you've done fucked up things, everyone has, you're never going to be perfect, stop trying to think that you will be and that that'll solve things, and if somebody brings up something to hurt them, that they're somehow like 
dragging you back into your muck and mire. You have your muck and mire. You carry your scars and you carry the scars you give other people. That's part of it. Get used to it. You can be different, but you have to own up to the things that you have done in your vessel. You know? Reacting to reactions. If you feel out of control of your emotions in any way, and I think there's a lot of crossover, whether it's anxiety, depression, ADHD issues, this rejection sensitivity stuff. There's this one thing I was reading about ADHD people have. It's a dysthymia, which is like basically chronic depression, low self-esteem for a long time because... Uh, I guess a lot of people with ADHD might have it because they're so used to being like feeling like a fuck up constantly their whole lives that they just go like, that's who I am, I guess. This fucking, I'm this fuck up, blah, blah, blah. And you have this low level depression and self-esteem thing forever. And it's ironic because I think a lot of people who have these things seem arrogant. They seem like narcissists. And, you know, I saw something there like that, you know, self-hate is just like a different version of narcissism. You're just self-obsession. And I think that's all true. I think there has to be like a lot of moderating going on. But allowance for yourself to live in those spaces of self-occupation to process it and then not stay there all the time. Reacting to the reaction. Being able to say, okay, yeah, that's definitely true. And really feeling another person's feelings and really putting yourself in their shoes. Not having an addiction to a narrative of like, please don't make me reflect on this. Please don't make me process this. Please. I'm sorry. You have to own up to your shit. You're only going to make it harder on yourself by reacting to the reaction. And if it's not somebody else that's having a reaction that you're reacting to, think about your reaction to your own reactions. And just realize when you're doing that and what a like toxic pinball situation that is. What an impossible whirlpool that is to escape. You know, Even if there wasn't a problem in the first place, you've created a problem for you to have causing you pain. One time I thought I had mono for a year. Turns out I was just really bored. Um, final birthday thoughts. As I was having a dark feeling birthday, a lot of shame and guilt and anger and strangeness around it and bad head spaces and a really shockingly luminous family who was in town, luckily, and were just beautiful and kind to me, along with friends and people on the internet. God bless buoys, you know? God bless the people in our lives that fucking love us even when we're such fucking assholes who forgive us and just understand it's part of who we are. That space for Loki thing. Don't let us off the hook, but who understand. My family knows me well enough to know like, oh, okay, Jared's going to be in one of these moods right now. He's going to be apocalypse asshole Jared. Okay, we love you. Thank you for those people. Find some of those people if you can. I wrote this thing on my Instagram in the middle of the night, just feeling weird and not wanting to be too emo, but allowing myself to like be true to myself, my weird poem-y sort of expression, ADHD brain thing. And 33 fucking years, man, 33 years. It's a drop in the bucket in so many senses and enough time to start feeling like I'm becoming old. Not truly, obviously, whatever, I have perspective. But, you know, you've been through some stuff at this point. And I can't speak for everybody, but I know some people who have good, bad brains are going to relate to this. I just said it when I was 
first coming into awareness. It's been a sensation my entire life, and it continues now, just feeling always on fire, just feeling like there's a volcano right in the middle of my chest, and it just dumps lava out. It just is constantly there, flowing or exploding or smoking. It is just always there. And we live in that dialectic, you know? We live in that. That's it. We are defined not by the state that we are in in a moment, but but the constant flow, the constant exchange of inter- uh, information, the constant change of us and the people around us. I still love this dumb fucking Jack Kerouac quote, even though I think Jack Kerouac is fucking intolerable to a certain degree. The only people for me are the mad ones, the ones who are mad to live, mad to seek, mad to be free, who never say a commonplace word, but burn, burn, burn like fabulous yellow Roman candles exploding across the night sky. It's fucking something I think about a lot because that's how I feel. And it makes sense that I seek those people out a little bit, and also that I get so fucking exhausted by those people, those fucking mad ones. Let us not romanticize our madness so much that we let it be our excuse to wound anybody, including ourselves. But let us also hold some gratitude for how that burning brain can be so beautiful. And that the same emotion-flooding problem that makes me Probably a fucking nightmare to be in a relationship with, honestly. <laughs> it also lets me know the reality of coffee sandwiches and lavender soap, you know? The fucking poetry in a rain cloud, you know? Watching wind through trees and being like, well, fucking goddamn, isn't that just everything? You know? I mean, I think that's why the good, bad brain thing has always been this. The. Fire that burns is the same fire that illuminates, is the same fire that cooks, is the same fire that takes down your whole house and city. You know, you you just got to accept that and do your best to care for it, care for that flame, protect that flame, and use it for things that are useful, that are generative. I think we can. I'm so grateful. I'm just so grateful. I'm just going to leave that sentence. There's like an enormous infinity of things that come after that sentence, but I am so grateful. And to everybody out there who is in pain and who is seeing this broken world for what it is, uh, you're not alone. Uh, You are part of it. We're all part of it. And just because it's broken and we are broken doesn't mean that we're bad. You know what I mean? It's a big difference between shame and regret. You can learn from the things that went wrong on you, but there's no moral failure that has to persist, some essential badness that grows in you and you have to hang on to. You're not even redeemable. You are redeemed. You know what I mean? We're all just fucking trying. Thirty-three years. 
33 years of a constantly reincarnating self-immolation. I mean, that's just life, right? That's just entropy. That's just cells regenerating. All right. Thank you all. Thank you all. See you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.